this is the Top of the Mountain Podcast with Jimmy Pilato, your home for RMAC weekly updates on D2Football.com. Now, here is your host, Jimmy Pilato. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. I know you guys missed me. We got another Top of the Mountain Podcast coming your way. I told you we were going to have two this week. I didn't want to... Uh, shortcut one of the things that we needed to talk about obviously the playoffs starting this week for NCAA Division 2 that means we have to bring you just as much content as the playoff games will bring you so that's why we are back here today on this beautiful Friday morning hopefully you guys are enjoying yourselves wherever you are listening to this podcast and before we get into it because we have some great stuff coming for you on today's episode want to remind you this is the Top of the Mountain podcast with Jimmy Pilato. I am the RMAC columnist for Division2Football.com, uh, D2Football.com, and I have been hosting this podcast uh, for a good majority of this season. Uh, we will continue to go until Colorado School of Mines and Western are both knocked out of the Division Two playoffs, and then we'll be taking a break until the following season. But it's been a blast so far. Follow at Pod and at Dago Express on social media to keep up with everything going on with this show. Those are my other two podcasts that already have social media pages. Uh, at Pod is the far end of the bench. We do a weekly sports podcast with my buddy, good, my good buddy, uh, Nico Bryant. And then the Dago Express, every other Tuesday, uh, we might get together with my brother, Nick, and we kind of just talk about whatever else is going on um, and everything like that. All right, now we can go ahead and get into the meat of what I wanted to talk about today. Obviously, if you listen to Tuesday's episode, which I highly recommend you guys go back and do, I broke down the Nebraska Kearney Lopers against the Western Colorado University Mountaineers' first playoff game in Gunnison in the Mountaineer Bowl since 1991. That will be brought up here shortly in this episode as well. Uh, Be sure to go back, check that out before the Western game. That kicks off this Saturday. I believe it is at 1 p.m., Mountain Standard Time on the RMAC Network. If you're out there in Gunnison, I would highly recommend going to the Mountaineer Bowl. It's going to be an electric atmosphere. Like I said, it's the first time that they've had playoff football in the Gunnison Valley since 1991. Today, we are going to talk about the possible opponents for the other Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference school in the NCAA Division II playoffs, and that is the number 10 ranked Colorado School of Mines Ore Diggers first in Super Region number 4. So they get the bye this week in the playoffs, and the two teams that are meeting this Saturday to decide who gets to go to Golden and play the Ore Diggers is the Bemidji State Beavers and the Augustana Vikings, both teams out of the Northern Sun Intercollegiate Athletic Intercollegiate Conference. And uh, both schools are based out of that conference. Both schools were very uh, successful as well. They had a similar situation to the RMAC in the NSIC where they had a share of the conference championship. I believe it was Bemidji State. Augustana, and then Minnesota Duluth all got a share of the overall NSIC title. Uh, Bemidji State won the North Division. Augustana won the South Division. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Before before we get into that, I do have a special surprise for everybody. Uh, I was joined by a University of Sioux Falls defensive lineman. University of Sioux Falls is also a college in the NSIC, and uh, it just so happened that the Sioux Falls team played both Bemidji State and Augustana in this season. I bring on a good friend of mine, a former 
uh, teammate, not, not of mine, but he was playing on one of my dad's younger teams, Cole Campbell, defensive lineman at the University of Sioux Falls, also the host of the Campbell's Corner Sports Podcast, which you guys can check out on any of your other podcasting platforms. He is going to join me here, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Bemidji State and get an in-depth look as to what he saw from the sidelines. So without further ado, let's get into, into Cole Campbell and talk about Bemidji State versus Augustana. Well, this is going to be fun. I, I am joined now by our special guest, very, very last minute. So I thank him for joining us. But I have uh, University of Sioux Falls, <clears throat> excuse me, three tech, Cole Campbell, redshirt freshman, well, redshirt, redshirt freshman, uh, Cole Campbell. But Cole, thanks for coming on. And uh, since you are a member of the NSIC, I didn't think that there'd be anybody else better to come on and talk about these two schools that have the possibility of playing uh, Colorado School of Mines. You're you're in an interesting situation. You've seen these two teams play. You grew up pretty much right down the street from Colorado School of Mines. You're, you're from Colorado, moved out, all that kind of stuff. But thank you for coming on. Um, and, yeah, talking a little bit about some some college football. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a weird situation. I'm going to be a fourth year uh, freshman next year after uh, COVID, a normal red shirt, and then uh, I'll have a medical red shirt. Uh, NSIC is a really cool conference. Uh, it's really kind of focused out of the Minnesota schools, South Dakota schools, that kind of area. A um, lot of hard-nosed Midwest football, running the ball. That's what it's about. Uh, but Augustana and Bemindji are the two teams kind of out of the conference that throw the ball around the yard a little bit here. Yeah, they're. Uh, I was looking, and I we were talking before we, we started recording. I said, you guys must just throw the ball all the time in, in the NSIC because what I looked up from – these two schools, they have two very good quarterbacks, a lot of good receivers. Um, but th- you told me that these are the only two schools that actually throw the ball a lot. It's it's a lot of the, uh, um, you know, Midwest, like you said. And is it you have a few schools that are triple option, or don't you? That that you guys. Play? Uh, we formerly did. Um, Minnesota Crookston was a triple option school. They've dropped their program since. Um, University of Mary was a triple option school. Um, the offensive coordinator from Bemidji formerly is their head coach now, so they've worked into a spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did have a couple triple option schools. Most teams have migrated to the spread. Um, but it's, I mean, it's power run game, inside zone. You're going to see a heavy dose of that from everybody. And that's really kind of where these offenses base themselves. Like Specifically Bemidji, I would talk about. Uh, coach Bolte up there, they are hard-nosed, mean dudes. I mean – they win their homecoming game and they jump into the lake out there in October in Northern Minnesota. So you can only imagine how cold that is. They are, uh, they're tough dudes, but you want to talk about a great player is Brandon Alt. That quarterback there is a, I would tell you, he's one of the better quarterbacks I've seen play in my lifetime at, at the college football level. Yeah. That's, it's fun seeing uh, doing this show and kind of picking up the columns for d2football.com for the RMAC looking around. There's so many different division two colleges that you, a lot of people never even heard of that there's still really good football being played and uh, the NSIC is no exception. Let's go ahead and we'll start with Bemidji. Uh, they are the fifth seed in their quarter of the bracket. Uh, mine's picked up the one seed. So the winner of their game will go on and play in golden next week. You guys, uh, University of South Sioux Falls played Bemidji all the way back in week one. Uh, yep. Bemidji did get the 24, 16 win. Mm-hmm. From that game, what was kind of obviously the passing game was was more, more than likely a point of focus. Uh, but for what do you kind of remember? Obviously, that was the fall camp, um, fall camp opponent and everything like that. What do you remember about uh, getting ready for Bemidji this season? 
Yeah, so Bemidji is a team that has hard-nosed DNA. Um, they're going to come out there. They're going to have a fullback. They're going to be in 12 personnel, and they're going to three-step drop you to death. They're going to throw quick bubble screens, number six, who's a great player, uh, one of the most electric dudes I've seen on the field. And then once you rotate your safety over to that side, they're going to throw it to 18, who led their team in receiving. I mean, he's a freak tall dude. He's going to catch the fade ball. He's going to run with it. He's, he's got a lot of potential there. On the other side of the ball, they run a very um, exotic defensive front in their front seven. Uh, they blitz a lot. They send a lot of weird pressures. It's a lot of things you don't see that you would look at and scratch your head at, but they get home. Number nine, Gabe Ames on that side of the ball is, uh, I mean, an absolute man. You turn on the film and you look at him and you go, man, that guy is built different. He's a, he's a freak of nature. It's a, it's a really good team. They're very well coached. They have hard-nosed DNA. I mean, well fought. We opened the season with them with a true with a redshirt freshman quarterback, and I mean, they made us pay for it. So, yeah, that's. Uh, I was going to ask you too. Are they exotic just for the sake of being exotic, or are they exotic in the in the right ways? Do they have the kind of defensive coordinator that he thinks up crazy ideas, but they do end up working, or is he kind of just uh, getting lucky and and being different than everybody else? What I'll say is we're very. Um, we're very hard nosed on the, on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to run zone. We're going to run power at you. We're going to be very, um, you know, old school football in that respect. And they come with a lot of creative stuff. It does get home. It does work. I think the, the most we got pressured really this season was in that Bemidji game. The most uh, we got the quarterback got off his spot. Um, our guy, Adam Mullen is, is excellent. So he, uh, he definitely learned a little bit in that game, but that was definitely, Something that stood out was the way Bemidji pressured and how they did it and trying to plan for it was definitely a struggle. So one thing that I saw, they uh, the way that the NSIC is split, it's north and south divisions and you have a division champion on each side. Is that how that works? Yeah. So the way it works is the north and south are split uh, evenly. Uh, you play. So we're in the south, respectively. Uh, so we will play half of the teams out of the north. And then we will flip next year and play the other half. So this year was our year to play Bemidji, uh, Minnesota Duluth, who's also in the playoffs going to Texas. Uh, we played them in 19. We'll play them again next year. So that's the, uh, that's the idea there. So we were co-South division champions with Augustana. Okay. And is there a true tried and true conference champion or do they just go by division champions? Um, I think the tried and true, they had a three-headed monster this year. So I believe it's Bemidji. Augustana and Duluth. So all three of the playoff teams of the NSIC, I think have a share at the conference championship. Okay. Yeah, and that's similar to the RMAC, uh, Western and, and Colorado Mines, even though Colorado Mines has the head to head win, it still counts as a co-championship season. So um, obviously we were talking a little bit about that going into to last weekend. Before we move on from the Beavers, uh, the two losses that they do have, they finished the season nine and two, obviously very successful you were talking about their coach. Uh, I've looked up today. Their coach has been on that staff for 21 seasons and the head coach for five. So obviously yep. they have an identity and know exactly what they want to do. In those two losses, the first to Minnesota State uh, in week three, and then the following week, their homecoming loss to Augustana, which sets up this rematch nicely. Both, both times gave up a lot of points and were only able to muster up 24. What do you think was the biggest reason those those two games ended up being losses? And what do you think that Bemidji would have to do to avenge this loss against Augustana? Yeah, so we've watched, obviously, a lot of tape on both those games, um, given that we played Minnesota State, Mankato, who 
is frankly no slouch. They've been the number two team in the country for mm-hmm. I don't know how many years in a row. Uh, before this season, they'd lost a total like four games in the NSIC since 2010. So very good program there as well. Um, to be honest, they uh, they definitely got hit by the run game and got hit by the run game hard. Um, Augustana is very um, – they like to use their pin and pull. They like to use a lot of their schemes, their inside zone, and that's, uh, that's where they really hit them. Um, the other thing is staying in front of the chains offensively. Uh, when, when Bemidji gets in long downs, they struggle. Um, but when they're able to two-step, one-step drop you and you know run the ball the way they want to run the ball, they're in a really good position. So I think staying ahead of the chains is the biggest thing offensively and, and defensively, they got to stop the run. Uh, easy. Yeah, their uh, offense can serve to be a little bit more two-dimensional than just being so pass-heavy. Um, and, and I kind of, in the column that I wrote for these two schools, that was the one thing. They have two running backs that both finished with over 700 yards, but not necessarily super productive during the game. If they're going to have a chance to come back and avenge that loss, those two guys are going to have to be very involved in, in the game, I I would say. So I agree with you on, on that side. Now, for Augustana, you guys played them uh, beginning of October, and that was yep. a home game for you guys. Two-point loss, very obviously I'm sure that was tough. Uh, what did you? What was that game like? And uh, from Augustana, what, what were some things that stood out for, for you guys? Yeah, so, we'll, so I'll open up. Um, so us and Augustana, we both are out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, our campuses are divided by two blocks. It is the closest rivalry in all of NCAA athletics. Um, we hang out with those guys. We see those guys around town. Uh, so that's a, that's a game every year that we look forward to. We have a traveling trophy, the key to the city. Um, and so that is a huge game every single year. Um, there is always different attitudes. There is more focus. That is a huge week every single year. I mean, that's both of our Super Bowls. Um, so obviously that's a huge game. The environment is very special. So either way, whether we play them at home or we play them at their place is a home game. So it's a big deal. Going into that game, one of the big things that we focused on was trying to turn them into a one-dimensional team, trying to get them to pass the ball a little bit. We've always had great matchups with them, uh, personally speaking, at least at Sioux Falls, when they're throwing the ball around a little bit. Uh, our plan of attack going in was try and shut down that pin and pull. That's really where their money's at. Uh, they scored the majority of their plays on us, catching us um, in a pressure and just catching us in a funny spot and uh, letting it run. We played a lot of man coverage and that served us well, uh, or a too high look. And uh, the biggest thing that, that I think really brought us success was we got pressure on the quarterback. When there's a guy in Kyle Sadler's face, we were able to, be in a better spot than when he got to sit back and pick apart the defense. Yeah. And I, I was mistaken there. I misread it. You guys did come away with the two point victory um, yep. and, and they did give them credit. They did try and make a, a comeback in the second half. You guys staved that off, but yeah, you yep. mentioned uh, Sadler. Sadler is going to be huge for the Vikings. If they're going to make any sort of a playoff run uh, defense defensively. I know you didn't watch, probably didn't watch a ton of film going into that week, but in, in the games where you saw Augustana, uh, on offense, what, what was kind of, what, or excuse me, defense, what was kind of their, their plan of attack? What do they do? You said Bemidji likes to bring a lot of exotic pressures. Is Augustana more of a lineup and, and kind of punch you in the face? I know they have a, a very good pass rush. Their defensive end, number 94, uh, yes. very stud, leads the team in sacks, I believe, with six and a half, maybe seven sacks on the season. So what, is, what do the Vikings do on defense? Uh, up front, they got a four-man front, and those front four are – 
stout across the board. 94 is obviously a, a, a sack stud. He, he's a freak. If you could turn on the tape and, and, you know, me and Jimmy are big guys and that's where we, where our eyes go. If you get to watch 59 for Augustana, he is a special football player. Mm-hmm. They're two defensive tackles, uh, rule the inside and you got to block those two dudes with three guys every play. So that's one of the big things they do. They keep stuff open for their linebackers. They catch. Um, they're very good. They have a they have a nice defense where they will roll almost a nickel type of guy down into a five man front, and it makes it actually really hard to run against. They are an excellent run defense. If you go look at, uh, they have the best run defense in the NSIC. They make you throw the ball. They make you one dimensional. And then once they do that, that's when they let that awesome defensive line just rip and take care of their business. That run defense is stout. They held Bemidji in their first game to 30 yards total in the entire game. So that makes a lot of sense uh, with what you're saying. And, and in that in the game that they had against Bemidji early, that was obviously we, – we talked a little bit about that one. Did you expect Augustana to beat Bemidji? What Was there kind of uh, – obviously Bemidji was ranked ranked earlier on in the season and they have a very they had a very successful year but is it kind of seen as this is a Augustana they're the higher seed but are they favored do you think going into the playoff matchup I would say so um you know being in the same town as Augustana I read the same newspaper they do um all that Uh, this has been touted as the best Augustana team that they've ever put together so uh they think they're that good they want to show everybody they're that good. I would say that they are. I think Bominji's a spunky little team. They got scrap in them. But uh, Augustana is a big, mean fighting machine. They're, they're going to they're gonna give a good fight. Uh, that's a really good football team. They're going to give Colorado State a scrap if they get – or, uh, sorry, Colorado Mines a scrap when they get there. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, would say, uh, I, would, I would probably say Augie's the, uh, the better team here. All right, so uh, without getting yourself in trouble for this game, if you're going to give a prediction, Augustana or Bemidji in the first round of the playoffs, who do you think gets through and will get that matchup in Golden? I think it's a tight game. Um, I would say Augustana gets there. Um, I do really think it is a close game. I think Bemidji's a great team, and I think they're playing their best ball at the end of the year. All right, and then uh, real quickly, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up on this. I don't know how much you've watched of Colorado School of Mines. They finished the season 10-1. and Co-Armac champions yep. have a back-to-back thousand-yard rusher with Michael Zimmon in the backfield and and John Makata, the magic man, now a junior, yeah. which is insane because he kicked Absolutely. our ass when I was up at Western as a freshman. Absolutely. Um, what, where are you – of these two schools, you picked Augustana to go through. Uh, what is Augustana going to be able to bring to that matchup that will give Colorado Mines their biggest problem? Yeah, absolutely. So we played Mines in the first round of playoffs in 19. So uh, personal with them as well, uh, you know, and, and obviously watching a little bit this year. I think that uh, that quarterback Mines has is one of the most special players I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will be a difference maker game in and game out. His ability to scramble everything he does uh, make, makes him a special player. Um, I will say that Augustana will come in there. Uh, they will not be scared of Colorado School Mines. They will not be intimidated in Golden. Uh, they're going to go in there and they're going to roll. Um, what will be interesting is uh, I think the one the, the thing that will hurt Augustana in that matchup is they don't roll particularly deep. Uh, they're 22 and 22. And when you're a flatlander headed up to Golden, Colorado, it's going to be a little little bit of altitude. We ran into that of 21, seven and a half. Um, but I think that's a great team. They're very disciplined. They're extremely well coached. They're going to give Mines problems. Um, I think Mines is an excellent team, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. 
going through some of these matchups and seeing the schools that I hadn't really watched, then obviously I did a breakdown of the Carney and, and Western game coming up in the round yeah. in round one as well. This is one of the most competitive quarters of the bracket that I, I can see going around. I know that there's uh, obviously the Grand Valleys and the Valdostas, the right. powerhouses that are traditional are there, but this is one where, I, I mean, Augustan obviously has national championship aspirations. Colorado School of Mines said back in week two that an RMAC championship is nice, but this is the year that they're going to try and push for a natty. Uh, we're in for, I think, three great weeks of, of competition with this bracket. And then once they get through to the rest in the quarterfinals, semifinals, we're, we're in for a hell of, hell of a game uh, once, once we get there. So, Cole, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, real quickly, I know that you have your own podcast. Uh, I don't know what else you got working up there in South Dakota, but where can people find you and uh, hear some more, some more of your sports things? Yep. So uh, Campbell's Corner Sports, it started as kind of a school project. Uh, it's available anywhere you get your podcast from. Started as a school project. Now that the NIL stuff has kind of changed up, um, I'm able to do it and uh, kind of actually talk about it, which is pretty cool. Um, so give it a listen anywhere podcasts are at. Uh, it's me and my old man, Jimmy's old line coach. So yeah. kind of the fun stuff. Um, a and former then, teammate of my dad back at Western. So there's the other RMAC connection. Yes, yes. Uh, Deep in my heart, I was hoping we would sneak into the playoffs and get a berth at Gunnison. That was the that was the hope all year. Well, that's the, that's the other thing is that coming into the season, Western's the biggest surprise out of anybody oh, because absolutely this is first time that they made it to the playoffs since '98 and the first time they've hosted. Which I think your dad probably. Uh, I I, he, when did your dad graduate? My dad graduated in '92, so he would have been so, on that last team that hosted. Yep, he was on the last team that hosted. The only win in Gunnison in the playoffs for football uh, yes. when they beat Carson Newman back in 1991. Funny enough, your dad also knocked out my uncle in the Colorado State Wrestling Tournament back in high school. So our there family ties are all crisscrossed everywhere. But I can't, like I said, I can't thank you enough. Uh, mm -hmm. And if we have more NSIC versus RMAC schools, I'll, I'll definitely bring you back because this was a lot of fun and, and I'm sure that people are going to enjoy it. So thank you very much, Cole. And and uh, good luck to you in your recovery and, and the rest of your college career. Hopefully you do big things. I'll be watching. Awesome. Thanks, Jimmy, for having me. From all the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while with MyBookie. Start doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus. Double your money before you even place a bet. And all you have to do is sign up and deposit using my exclusive, our exclusive promo code, Bench, B-E-N-C-H, at MyBookie.ag. There are tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, but let me point out, point you in the right direction for your first wager. This Sunday, two powerhouse offenses beat in Kansas City and Dallas. Boy, is that going to be a fun one. Them boys have been on a tear this season while the Chiefs continue to struggle, but coming off a win, they could be back on track. Take the Cowboys to cover the spread so you can walk away the, with the bread at my bookie. Don't wait any longer. Head to my bookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can get in the game and start winning big today that that's promo code bench b-e-n-c-h to receive your double to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account no hassle no wait bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie mybookie.ag promo code bench get started today this is the top of the mountain podcast with jimmy Pilato, your home for rmac weekly updates on d2football.com now here is your host jimmy Pilato.
Welcome back, everybody. Thank you guys for listening to that message from my bookie, uh, sponsor of the Far End of the Bench podcast, my other sports podcast that I do weekly. You can listen to every Wednesday. Be sure to sign up today, mybookie.ag. Use our exclusive promo code for that show, Bench, B-E-N-C-H, and you'll automatically double your first deposit. Uh, thank you once again to Cole Campbell. It was awesome getting to uh, talk to him again. Been a while since I've seen him. Like we were talking about a little bit, he grew up in Colorado. We're, our families were very close. Our dads went to uh, Western Colorado together, and then uh, they moved to Illinois a few years ago. So it's been a while since I've actually been able to catch up with those guys, and uh, it was awesome getting Cole on, and he had some great insights. I, I thought I knew it was going to be good having a, a guy who's gotten prepared for a game against both these schools, Augustana and Bemidji State, and kind of pick his brain as to what the, the mindset was going into those games and what ultimately worked and, and what didn't work and what he expects. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Like I said, be sure to check out his podcast that he does with his dad, uh, Campbell Sports Corner. You can listen to it anywhere you get podcasts, just like this uh, podcast you're listening to right now, The Top of the Mountain, on d2football.com or any of your other podcasting apps. All right. Real quickly before we wrap things up, I did have, I put together some notes. I told you guys I was going to look into Bemidji State and uh, Augustana like I did Nebraska Kearney since we haven't seen these schools yet and this is a very important weekend as to decide what's going to happen in the second round of the playoffs. Hopefully we have two RMAC schools still in the second round of the playoffs when we talk next week, but for now, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll look into the Bemidji State Beavers. Finished the season 9-2, first in the NSIC North Division, also won a share of that conference championship uh, with Minnesota Duluth as well as Augustana. Their head co- coach, Brent Bolt, fifth year as the head coach, 21st season as a coach in the program. So like I mentioned with Cole, a lot of history with him and the, the Beavers program. They obviously know what they want to do when they, they get out on the field, and so far they've been very successful. Only two losses coming to Division Two and Conference Powerhouses, uh, Minnesota State Mankato back in Week Three, and then Augustana obviously won the regular season matchup against Bemidji State, 52 to 24, and they lost to the Minnesota State Mankato uh, squad, 45-24. So both games, they their defense wasn't able to hold up against very talented rosters, and that's kind of the story when you look at the Bemidji State Beavers. They score 37 points a game. A lot of offense that, that they have at their disposal. 339 passing yards per game, 146 rushing yards a game. They give up 30 points, uh, 270 passing yards, and 151 rushing yards per game. So, like I said, their defense uh, so far in the games that they've been able to win and, and win handedly show up in the dire situations, but it's not necessarily pretty throughout the game. They also carry 31 sacks as a team. Cole was talking about their defensive schemes. Very, very exotic. They bring a lot of pressure from a lot of different places, and it confuses a lot of offensive lines, especially at the Division II level. So that's how they stack up team-wise. Some of the team leaders that I found on Bemidji were as follows. Running back, Sage Booker, sophomore from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He wears number one. This season, he had 174 rushing attempts, 774 yards, three touchdowns, and averaged 70 yards rushing per game. Not necessarily a focal point, but a very good second piece when you think about how this Beavers team wants to attack you. They like to throw the ball around. If they need to run, it's nice to have guys like Sage Booker and our next team leader, Makayo Harn, another sophomore running back. This one from New London, Wisconsin. He wears number 31. Those are the two running backs that are going to split time uh, in the backfield for the Beavers. 
Harn on the season, 158 attempts, 747 yards, three touchdowns. You could pretty much lump those two together as one back, and you have a 1,400-yard rusher along with your quarterback. And, and that brings us to the quarterback, Brandon Alt, a sophomore. Cole said one of the more talented quarterbacks he's seen at this college level since he's been uh, at the University of Sioux Falls. He's from Cottage Grove, Minnesota, has 147.6 QBR on the season, 54 percent completion percentage through for 36 56 when it comes to total yardage on the season 43 touchdowns uh, and only 14 interceptions so very efficient with the ball and when he has to throw it around a lot he was very successful 43 touchdowns that's something that is uncanny even at this level you can you can say what you want division one it's very difficult to throw 40 touchdowns at the division one level except for a few schools for Brandon Alt to do this in his sophomore campaign, that's very, very impressive. Uh, Going to be looking to him to possibly pick up Offensive Player of the Year, depending on how this Beaver team goes throughout their playoff run. But he is a, the, the focal point of their offense. Whether he is on or off is how the Beavers are going to be able to attack you. If he struggles, they're not really able to get you too much with the run. At least they haven't been able to show that so far. Uh, and he's got two really good receivers, but the one that stands out, Brendan Bolio. A junior from also from Cottage Grove, Minnesota. He wears number 19 on the season. 63 receptions, uh, 1,100 yards, and averages 17 and a half yards per catch. So when he gets open, it's normally in the situations where he's getting down the field and he's able to get the ball in his hands and get a lot of yardage. 12 touchdowns on the season, and with that 1,100 yards, he was able to average 100 per game through the air. Uh, if we've been watching a lot of the RMAC throughout, not just your school you know that that's not something that you see all that often when you look at the teams in the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference. Teams can throw. Teams are very good at both, but you kind of have more of a balanced attack. When you look at this offense, it's solely based on the passing game, the ability to spread the ball around, to get in wild formations, uh, very similar to their defensive philosophy, where they're coming at you with a whole bunch of exotic blitzes. On offense, they're coming at you with route combinations, different ways to get the ball in space, bubble screens, taking shots downfield when they need to. Offensive line needs to hold up in pass protection. That's going to be a huge key for them. If they can get a solid effort out of their running back tandem, that's going to be where Bemidji evens the score the most. If they can get better from what they did in their initial season matchup, that's going to be huge for the Beavers in this game. Uh, Over on the defensive side of the ball, had to pick out one guy. It was Zali Kaplan. Junior linebacker from St. Louis Park, Minnesota. He finished the season with 44 total tackles, 17.5 for loss, and 7.5 sacks all over the field for this Beaver defense. And he's going to need to come up big for these guys if they're going to have any shot at shutting down what is also a very potent offensive attack from the Augustana Vikings. And with that, let's go over to that side, the number four seed, and I believe number 21st ranked uh, Augustana Vikings from South Dakota, 9-2 and two on the season, first place in the Northern Sun Intercollegiate Conference South Division. They scored 39 points a game, rushed for 177 yards a game, passed for 292 yards a game, while giving up uh, excuse me, 20 points a game, 39 rushing yards a game, and 276 passing yards a game. 
that 39 in the rushing column, that's going to be what we're going to focus on when we talk about these two teams in this matchup and and when I get into my predictions. But first, let's go ahead and uh, look at some of the team leaders. They also carry 27 sacks on the season as a team. So like I said about the pass protection for Bemidji State, it's going to have to be on point. These guys have shown that they can get after the pass rusher. And the thing about Augustana is they don't have to bring pressure. They can get it done with their down linemen. Without further ado, let's get into the offensive leaders for this Viking squad. What Cole Cole said it when I was talking to him, this is the team that Augustana believes is the best in program history. This is the team that they believe has the shot to win the national championship. So let's meet some of their stars on the offensive side of the ball. We'll start with number nine, running back Jared Epperson, a junior from Omaha, Nebraska. On 169 attempts this year, he got 897 yards, ran for six touchdowns, also added 22 receptions and 239 yards receiving on the season, 21 yards per catch. Very reliable target out of the backfield. Uh, when we talk about the pin and pull scheme, this is a guy that thrives in that situation. When the offensive line is able to run downhill at guys, get guys out of gaps and cut open spaces, Everson is able to find the holes, burst through them, and, and nobody really gets him when he gets into the open field. Everson is a weapon uh, at running back on this Augustana offense. Sean Engel, a senior wide receiver from Chaska, Minnesota, uh, he wears number 18, had 51 receptions on the season, 850 yards, 13 total touchdowns, and averaged 77 yards passing per game from quarterback Kyle Sadler. Sadler, a former Harlan Hill nominee back in 2018, the senior from Frisco, Texas, wearing number 11. Let's just go through his stats because Cole mentioned he won Conference Player of the Year. He's obviously in that conversation once again this season with uh, Alt that we talked about for Bemidji State. Kyle Sadler this year in 2021, 151 QBR, 59% completion, 3,176 yards, 36 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. He also added five touchdowns with his legs. A guy, this, this is a guy, the senior quarterback that you want in your program who's been there before, been to the playoffs, haven't had the success, and now it's his final hurrah. It's his last chance. He wants to go out on top. And this Augustana team believes that they have the ability to do that. So Kyle Sadler, huge, huge weight on his shoulders this weekend, trying to make sure that his Vikings are able to come away with the victory. Over on the defensive side, you can pretty much pick and choose what defensive lineman you wanted to spotlight. I picked the guy leading the team in sacks, Grayson Diapendent Brock. Diapendent Brock, senior from Parker, Texas, 6'3", 255. So he does rush from the edge, but he has six sacks on the season, 21 total tackles, and he lives in the opposing team's backfield with 13 tackles for loss. Uh, four of these guys along the offensive or defensive line. You can pretty much pick any one of those four, and they're able to get after the quarterback. They're able to stuff the run. 39 yards rushing per game on the season is an absurd stat, no matter what level of football you are playing in. So Diapen Brock is going to be a guy that I'm looking for to make a big impact in this game. And then in the back end, defensive back Peyton Buckley, the sophomore from Rice Lake, Wisconsin. He has 55 total tackles, so at the safety position, he's able to make sure uh, big plays, busted plays, don't go for too too long and, and don't give up too many touchdowns. He also leads the team with five interceptions and two fumble recoveries. These are very familiar opponents. These schools obviously know what the other likes to do. They've seen each other. They've prepared for each other once already this season. It's a cliche. If you've 
watched football for a long time, if you've spent time around the game, the hardest thing to do in a football season is beat a team twice. That's exactly what Augustana is going to have to try and do if they want to come away with the victory that they so desperately believe they deserve. I believe that Augustana is the better team if you look at it top to bottom on paper. I think their defense is, is what gives them that edge. Bemidji State offensively can play with anybody. Unfortunately, when they've met this tough Augustana defense before, their offense wasn't able to get it done. I think that they will have a better showing. Honestly, I think this, this game could go three ways. It's going to be a low-scoring defensive battle. It's going to be a shootout, and we're going to be treated to a lot of points, a lot of yards, and, and have some flashy numbers afterwards. Or one of these two teams is going to get a lead and, and just going to continue to steamroll because that seems to be what happens when you get to the playoffs. You get those three types of games, and in the first round, who knows what these two teams are going to have nerves-wise. Uh, these two programs have been in the postseason before, so it's not anything too new to them, but it is still a, a very nerve-wracking situation. So I believe Augustana, if I'm going to make a prediction, Augustana will win. I'm going to go with a 35-21 to 21 score where Augustana pulls away late and they go on to Golden to play the Colorado School of Mines Ore Diggers in what will be a juggernaut matchup to see who makes it on to the quarterfinals out of the other matchups on the bracket. That's going to do it for this episode of the top of the mountain podcast thank you guys for tuning in be sure to follow at feotb pod and at dago express the far end of the bench every wednesday sports podcast that i do with my good buddy nico bryant you can listen to it on any single podcasting app that you have uh the dago express every other tuesday with my brother nick that's just a a fun podcast where we kind of just talk about life and whatever's going on with ourselves that's a lot of fun to listen to so be sure to check those shows out if you don't want to hear me just drone on about college football, this show you can find every Wednesday, Friday, excuse me, and we had our bonus episode on Tuesday breaking down Western versus Nebraska Kearney, uh, but you can listen to this podcast on d2football.com or any other other podcasting apps that we've already mentioned. Uh, it's available everywhere. You can read my columns every Thursday during the RMAC football season on d2football.com as well, and other than that, Let's enjoy the first round of the playoffs. Hopefully we have two more playoff matchups to talk about next week when we come back. But for now, enjoy everybody's football weekend. It's playoff time. Stay safe, and we will see you next week.